Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. We're in a series that we're calling uh, We Can Know, and uh, this is part four, so excited to dive in here in just a minute. Uh, Warren Wearsby is one of the most popular and well-known Bible teachers really uh, in in the world, and he once made an, an incredible statement. He said, after 40 years of ministry, I'm convinced that spiritual immaturity is the number one problem in our churches. So after being in ministry, writing many books, pastoring many churches, his, his observance was that spiritual immaturity is one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem in our churches today. And I think what he meant is that one of the reasons why the church isn't effective in America or isn't really doing much in the community to, to bring people to Christ is spiritual immaturity. One of the reasons why there are so many internal fights and conflicts in the church is spiritual immaturity. One of the reasons why we don't have enough people serving in ministries in the church is simply spiritual immaturity. So I think he's on to something there. And I I want you guys to know that, that God wants you to grow up. God wants you to mature in your faith. And your heavenly father's goal for every single one of us is not that you would just you know, know who Jesus is and get saved and be done. No, his desire, his goal for you is that you would become more and more like Jesus, that you would grow further in your faith, deeper in your faith and actually mature. Now, over and over and over again in the Bible, we're told to grow, we're told to mature. Here are a few examples. Ephesians 4.15 says, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Hebrews 6.1 says, so let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again, and let us go on instead and become mature. 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So we're told to grow up, we're told to mature, we're told to crave this growth uh, like a newborn baby would crave milk. And, And so the title of today's message is It's Time to Grow. It's time for you to grow no matter who you are, No matter how long you've been here at FC, you might be brand new. Maybe you've been here for a really long time. Maybe you're watching online today and you're just kind of checking it out. It is time for you, it is time for me to take that next step of faith and that next step of growth. And I think the summer is a great time for that. Uh, The summer is a time of growth. Many of you guys have a lot of gardens and you're growing some veggies, you're getting some fruit going. I've got a couple of blueberry bushes. I'm gonna have about 15 to 25 blueberries this harvest season. I'll share them, bring them with you. It's thriving crop. Uh, I'm I'm not a great farmer, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just that season, right? Your habits are, are, are gonna change uh, in the summer, tends to. Sun is out longer, right? You maybe get up a little earlier. Maybe you're going on vacation. There's a few uh, weeks in the summer that are kind of built-in vacations like Memorial Day. Uh, you get that day off, most of you do, maybe July 4th and a couple others. And so our rhythms just naturally change. There's no school, so teenagers, you've got a lot of time, right? College students, you have some more time. And as soon as we have time, a lot of, a, a lot of uh, times we just kind of rush and just fill it with stuff. 
just stuff. We don't know what, just stuff. We gotta be busy. We gotta go. We gotta do something. We gotta be with friends. They gotta go here, gotta go there, right? More time, it's warmer, let's get out. What do we gotta do? I don't know, let's just get out. We don't have to really do anything. We just can't be at home, right? For some reason, we just like to be out. And that happens in the summer. As soon as we get out, as you get older, you feel like now it's time to go home, right? But that's a different story. And, and so it's just time to grow for, for all of us. This is a great season for you to do that. And a lot of times Christians have a wrong mentality about what it takes to grow. Sometimes uh, Christians think showing up means that you're growing up. Sometimes we think just watching an online service means we're growing up. Sometimes we think just being here means we're growing up. Sometimes we think, you know, if I'll just serve once a month, then I'll grow up. But I think we're making a very big mistake if we're thinking in those terms. In fact, I've known a lot of Christians who never missed a Sunday, and they're some of the most immature, spiritually people I've known. In fact, I know that in my experience, kind of growing up in the church, some of the meanest people I ever knew never missed Sunday school, never missed a Sunday some of the most carnal and ungodly people. Um, And so just showing up here today doesn't mean that you're growing up. You know, bringing your kids is great, but just because they're here today doesn't mean they're growing up. And so we have to understand and realize that is something that's very, very important in, in, in our growth, every single one of us. And it's this, growth is not an event, it's the direction of your life. Growth is not a Sunday morning event. It's not an online service event. It's not any event we put on here at a church. And just because we have an event or you show up to something, a small group or, or uh, you know, a night of worship or whatever it is, doesn't mean that you're gonna grow. What you have to understand is that your mentality, your heart, your spirit, when you come to an event, if you are going to get anything out of it, is that you've already pointed your life in a direction for growth. Your heart is to grow. Your heart is to become more like Jesus. Your attitude in your heart is, Lord, teach me something. And so you're moving in the direction of growth. And every single one of us need to understand that the goal for our Christian life is growth. It is maturity. Now, when, when, you, when you are not growing, you know, if you just think, all right, man, I, I know Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven and that's good for me. The reality is you're not ever just kind of stagnant. You don't ever stay the same. If you're not intentionally pointing the direction of your life to become more like Jesus in attitude and action, you're, you're not only not becoming deeper in your faith, you're actually becoming more and more in love with the world. And the more you become in love with this world, the further away from God's will you will be, the further away from God's blessing you will be, the more in danger you are living, the enemy will attack you, you will continually fail, and you will be robbed of joy, you will be robbed of life, you will be robbed of relationships that are life-giving. And so this is paramount for every single one of us, no matter how young or old you are today. God intends for us to grow. Every single one of us need to understand that we need more of Jesus. And so God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. Um, And the great news is every single one of us 
need to grow. I need to grow. You need to grow. Nobody in this room, nobody watching today is ever going to be able to get to a point in their career as a Christian and say, I made it. I finally reached the second heaven or the third heaven or now I'm holy and now give me my little halo and everybody just follow. We're never going to get there, right? We continually, no matter how old you are, uh, have to continue to move in that direction. I can't stay the same. And so at FC, part of our process here to help you grow is what we call the journey. And so that's base camp, camp two, camp three. And, and so we encourage you to, to, to partner with us, understand your design, get involved in ministry. And when you go to camp three, we really start talking about stages of faith. And I do believe that there are stages of faith that we all go through. And so it's important for us to understand those stages because I can identify where I'm at. Once I know where I'm at, then I can look at some steps to help me get to the next level. And for all of us here, the goal would be that we would help other people go through that process, that we would help other people mature in their faith. And so that's our goal. That's our hope. When you finish camp three, you aren't finished with your faith. It's like, oh, I made it to camp three and now I'm done. I'm finished. I'm so holy now. I'm so spiritually mature now. No, that is not the case. We have tons of other ways that will continually equip you. And so through small groups, through when you're serving, you've got a coach um, uh, pouring into you, mentors across the board. So the journey process is not something that you actually complete. You want to think of it more in terms of something that's helping you move forward in your faith to grow. And so again, that's why it's important for you. If you've gone to base camp, you should help somebody else go there. If you've been to camp two, camp three, then it's important that you help other people go through that process and walk with them through that. And today in 1 John 2, God's gonna challenge you to grow. He's gonna challenge me and has been challenging me to grow. And so my goal for the sermon is to motivate you, equip you, and help point you in the right direction for growth uh, beginning this summer, right here, right now. Because everybody listening needs to grow and everybody listening can grow. Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. So if you seek him, you can grow. You can go deeper. So let's start in 1 John 2 today and let's see what he says. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. We'll jump um, uh, forward here in, in a little bit, but he's explaining three different groups of people here. He's talking about children. He's talking about young adults, young men, and he's talking about fathers or, or parents. And so the idea here, and, and it's really, it really could go either way. A lot of people will, will take this in one of two ways. First of all, it could be him just talking in terms of age. So like the younger men in age, the older men, like the fathers in the room, or he could be talking about spiritual stages of maturity. So spiritual children, spiritual young adults, 
spiritual fathers. And so I'm gonna kind of talk about each one a little bit today uh, because it's really unsure, unclear, but I think there's a good argument uh, that we could make for both. And so here's how he starts. He starts with children. So the two verses that he talks about uh, to children are verse 12 and 13. And he says, little children, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And he says, I write to you children because you know the father, right? So uh, in Christ, he tells us that you have a father. And let's not run by it today. We've talked about it in, this, uh, in the book, but you are not born a child of God. You are an orphan. You do not have uh, God as your father. You are born with a sin nature. You are born separated from God. You were born uh, on your way to hell. You were, you were filled with sin and you were broken and you were lost. When I say you, I mean me as well. But when we understand the gospel, when, when we understand the death of Jesus was taking your place on the cross, the fact that he rose from the grave proves that he was who he said that he was and that he does have the power to forgive your sins and that he does have the promise and has given you the promise of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And when you make that decision, when he saves you, you get God as your father. He adopts you into the family of God. That is good news for everyone here today. No matter if you had a bad father, an absent father, when you come to Christ, you get a good, holy, and loving father. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always walk with you. He says you have a father. He says also that your sins are forgiven. And this is, this is important. You know this. We've heard it. Some of us haven't accepted it yet, though, in the room. Like when you come to Christ, he is forgiving you of all time, past, future, and present sins. Now, we all have regrets. We have things that we would like to forget. We feel regret. We feel remorse. And some of you are living with a very heavy burden in your life today. You, you, you feel like you can't serve God because of your past. You feel like you can't grow because of something in your past. And he's reminding us as spiritual children that your sins are forgiven. And when we receive that forgiveness from him, it is a full and complete forgiveness of sin. You must trust him that when he says what you have done is forgiven, is forgiven. Some of you can't be honest. And that's part of why you can't grow. You can't be open and authentic in a small group. You can't be open and authentic with other people because you're, you're, you're afraid that if you are uh, honest, then you won't be accepted. If you are honest, then somehow people are gonna judge you uh, or, or something to that effect. There, there are many reasons why we wouldn't live an open and honest life. That perhaps is keeping you from growing. You must realize that you are accepted in Christ and that you are forgiven. And that forgiveness, he says, comes by Christ's namesake. Not my name, not your name. You aren't forgiven because of your name. You don't, you don't get anything uh, a special you know, forgiveness because you lived a certain way uh, or you know, you, you're a better person. No, you are forgiven on the basis of his name's sake. 
We live to make his name great, not our name great. He's not, he's not giving us forgiveness because we deserved it or because we meant it when we prayed that prayer. No, he's giving it to us because of his name's sake and what he did on the cross and earned for you. So the first step on your faith journey is everybody look at me, have you become a Christian? I'm not talking about have you showed up to church? I'm not talking about have you been baptized? I'm not talking about have you said a prayer? I'm asking, have you given your life to Jesus? As we look at the scripture today, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today, if you would sense in your spirit that you have not made that decision, then today's the day. It's time for you to grow. Some of you are trying to grow spiritually, but you've never accepted Christ. Some of you would hope to grow in your faith, but you've never actually taken the first step, which is baptism. The Greek word for children here in verse 13 refers to immature babies. So there's nothing wrong with being a baby. Babies are beautiful and great and lovely, right? But there is something wrong with staying a baby, right? Now think in terms of spiritual children for a minute. When you first come to faith in Christ, you're like a spiritual child. And that's a a fitting description because the characteristics of a baby uh, that are most descriptive is the word selfishness. Babies are extremely selfish, are they not? I mean, they cry uh, only when they wanna eat or when you, you know, need to change them, right? And so uh, babies only care about themselves. Has a baby ever thanked you for doing anything? Of course not. Did they ever help you do anything in your, your home or in your family life? Never, they don't do anything to help. Do they ever give anything at any value physically to the family outside of what they deposit in their diaper? It's about it, right? No, all a little baby does is think about himself or herself. They wanna take care of themselves. And so in the same way, a spiritual infant really only cares about themselves. They're extremely selfish, right? And so they still only think about their needs they really think only about their desires. They, they think about in terms of what the church is gonna give to them and, and what this person needs to do for them. They're in the center of their own universe. They, they, if they serve, they're serving for selfish reasons. Look at me, or what am I gonna get out of serving? Who's gonna love me? Who's gonna accept me? It's a very inward focused, selfish way of thinking about ministry and church. If they don't love me and accept me and do for me while I serve, then I'm not gonna stick around. Very self-centered. They don't think in terms of serving because other people need to experience Christ and grow in their faith. You see, a baby Christian um, is selfish. They want their kind of music. They want convenience, right? They know a little bit about what the Bible says, but not, not hardly anything or not much at all. Um, and as a result, they just live a, an extremely selfish life. So it's time to grow. It's time to grow. And I would hope that if you kind of see yourself as being inward focused, not serving, not, not really taking any steps of faith or any steps of growth, you would A, say, maybe I have never given my life to Christ, or B, you would say, it's time for me to grow. I've got to get out of this. God is calling me deeper. 
He's calling me to a deeper place, and so it's time to grow. And as a spiritual infant, I want to take the next step. And so the next group he talks about are young men. Now he says, young men, I'm writing to you because you've overcome the evil one. You're strong, and the word of God abides in you. You've overcome the evil one. He says it twice, that you've overcome the evil one. So it could be talking about spiritual maturity here, as I've said, uh, that, that next phase of a spiritual, you're gonna talk. he could just be talking to young men in the room. Like, like if you're, like for a young man, for a, a you know, Jewish culture, they became a man at 12. You know, our culture, we've created this whole new dynamic. But if you're like 12 to like 35, what would we say old is today? 35, maybe 40, okay? If you're in that phrase or that phase of, of life today, let me, let me just speak to you uh, for a moment. It's time for you uh, to grow. Young men, the evil one is after you. The evil one is fighting against you. He wants to rob your joy. He wants to rob you of your future. He wants to steal any healthy relationships in your life. He wants to kill any blessings that God wants to give to you. And you are in a fight. The problem is we've got a lot of men, a lot of young men, who look mature, they look older, but they're still acting like children, still acting like children. In our culture today, young men aren't growing up like they used to grow up. Um, They're not going to church. They're not taking responsibility. They're looking at their phones all day. They're playing Xbox all day. They're living off mom's money. Uh, They're sleeping around and they're making babies that they don't intend to take responsibility for. You're in a fight, you're in a war. In our nation today, there are more uh, more women than men who attend church. There are more young women than men who have a driver's license. There are more women in college than men. In fact, the least likely person to go to church in America is a young man. Young men in the room, 35 and younger, You are in a war and God desires that you would grow up. God desires and is calling you to a deeper faith. John says, I write to you young men because the word of God lives in you. You've overcome the evil one. Now the word live there means to be with. And so if you're going to grow young men, you've got to live with the word of God. You've got to live with it. You gotta live by the word of God. You've gotta live in the word of God. In other words, you've gotta know it. So let me explain it very clearly. Unless you get into the word of God and start feeding yourself, you will never grow to your full potential. You will never grow to the level of where God wants to take you. I am happy to feed you on Sunday morning. I love to preach. And I'll spend at least 20 to 25 hours every single week to study, research, put together a message to share with you out of love. It feeds me. We feed each other. This is a good, healthy growth for all of us. But unless you begin to feed yourself, young men, you will never experience the depth of God's grace and love and blessing that he wants to give to you. The difference between a boy and a man is a man's gonna take responsibility. So young men, stop blaming everybody for the problems that you're going through. The difference between a boy and a man is that a man feeds himself. 
Babies need to be fed by somebody. Now, if you're a young Christian, it's okay to be in that phase, but you know, it's not wrong to be a baby, but it's, it's pretty terrible to remain a baby. Men, the difference is men take initiative. They don't wait around till somebody taps them on the shoulder and asks them to do something. They see a gap, they see a problem, they see areas of need and they lean into it and they step into it. They look at the word of God, they see what God's calling us to, they walk, they go, they move forward. They don't wait for somebody to take them by the hand and walk them into a small group. First Peter five verses eight and nine is one of those verses that I know you're familiar with, but we don't often like take it to heart. And so let's try to do that today. Let's ask the, the, the spirit to give it to us. He says, be sober-minded. Don't, don't let your judgment be clouded, right? Don't be so intoxicated by, by the things of this world that would, that would lead you not to think clearly. He says, be watchful. In other words, be on the lookout. Why would we be on the lookout? Your adversary, he is an adversary, by the way. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. Can you just think about that, young men, for a minute? The devil wants to devour you. He doesn't just want you to not live a good life. He wants to ruin your life. He wants you to love the world so much that you forget about God. He wants to devour your potential. He wants to devour your gifts. He wants to devour your thoughts. He wants to devour your beliefs. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything good that God wants to do in your life. That's your adversary. He hates you. With a passion, he hates you. And you are in a war. This is not a, this is not make-believe. You don't get two and three and four chances in this life. You get one chance and one decision. One wrong decision ruins the whole thing, it can. So be watchful. He wants to devour you. He says, resist him. That means you're gonna have to fight. Resisting means there's effort. Boys want convenience. Men realize they've gotta fight every day for holiness. Resist him. Be firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. We're all in this fight and battle together, right? Young men, you have got to understand and recognize that the enemy wants to destroy you. God is offering you his plan and purpose for your life. And, and the best place that any of us can be is when we're following and we are in the center of God's will. Not always the safest place, not always beautiful and lovely and everything's working well, but it's the most godly, most beneficial, most holy place any of us can live. When you are outside of God's will, it will, the, the enemy will devour you. Boys love Star Wars, they wanna be Jedis. Man, I wanted to be when I was a kid and so if I found a stick, a stick immediately became a lightsaber. You know, by the time I had kids, they had those real, like not real ones, they're not real lightsabers, but 
the toy lightsabers that you kind of throw out. They're legit. They light up. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Even as a grown man, that's like one of the cool things to do with your kids, you know. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, we forget the fact that that's a good thing, moms. It's a good thing for your boys to play like that. And, and um, I think every man in the room resonates with this idea that we want to we wanna fight evil. We want to, you know, save the day, save the girl, help someone. But even as young men today, there's too many that are still playing with toys. And you've got to pick up a real sword. <laughs> and the real sword, the Bible explains, is, is, is this book. It's, it's a description. The, the Bible, or God calls his word uh, the sword of the Lord. And, it, and it's sharper than any sword that you could ever pick up because it cuts to the heart. It gets to the, the point and the reality of why we live on this earth and what God wants you to do and how you're to live your life and why you're to live that way. Not because God doesn't want you to have fun. It's because God wants you to experience joy and God wants you to experience meaning and God wants you to experience his blessing and his power in your life. And this is the weapon that you must use, young men. Young men, we need you to grow up. We need you to stop acting like children. The young girls in the room need you to stop acting like children. They need real men to marry. They don't need a bunch of punks that need their mommy to do everything and tuck them in at night and play an Xbox all night, play an Xbox and PlayStation till two and three o'clock in the morning. It is time for you to grow up. And that requires you to be in the word of God, to know the word of God, to live by the word of God and experience then the blessing of God. He goes on to the next group. He talks to fathers. Now, I think, I think this one is kind of funny because he's talking to fathers. So maybe, maybe if it's age, he's talking to all of us over 40 today. We don't have to name numbers, but you know, we're over 40, right? And he says, I'm writing you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then he says the same thing. You know him who is from the beginning. Almost like the older guys in the room, they can't hear very well. <laughs> so we're gonna say the same thing twice just to make sure they get it. Now, if he's talking about spiritual maturity and spiritual fathers as a stage, then I think it makes sense to, to think in terms of what makes a father a father. Well, spiritually speaking, it would be you've led someone to Christ. Spiritually speaking, it would be that you have intentionally invested your life to help another person grow in their faith. And so you, you, you could not say that I'm a spiritual parent today, I'm a spiritual mother or a spiritual father because I've led this person to Christ, you know, or, or I, you know, I've, I've never led someone to Christ. So the idea there is if you wanna reach that stage, then it's gonna take you helping someone come to faith or it's gonna take you helping someone grow in their faith. And so fathers over 40, we need you. We need you to serve, we need you to lead, we need you to step in and lean into this ministry. Right, just because you've been there and done that doesn't mean that you paid your dues, now it's time for you to coast. No, here's what you have, which I think is important. This is a good little diagram, like truth plus experience plus time equals wisdom. So some of you are young, you don't have the experience, right? Some of you are experienced and you have the time, but you have not yet really understood the truth of God's word. And the reality is you need all three to equal 
wisdom. When in fact, you know the truth. When you have gone through experiences, like if you're over 40, you've had some experiences. You've had some good ones. You've had some bad ones. And we need to know what you've learned from them. We need you to apply God's truth because over time that experience will lead to wisdom. We need that wisdom. You may not know how to eloquently put it. You couldn't put it in a book. You couldn't explain it, but you've got stories. You've got experiences. You've learned a thing or two. We need to know what that is. We need to know what that is. The young men in the room need to know that. Older ladies, the younger women need to know about this. I know a lot of our small groups are kind of based, you know, they're not based on age, but sometimes we just gravitate towards people who are the same age and that's all well and good. But I just wanna encourage those small group leaders who are older, why not get with a younger group? They need you. We've talked about becoming a mentor here. Maybe, maybe just a cup of coffee with a couple of young guys to hear your stories could change their life. Why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you just say, I'll do that? <laughs> I'll do that, just let us know. Let us know that you would love to mentor someone. We need spiritual fathers in our church. We need you to step into this. Now the war is real. He says, victory is certain, but then we step back and say, why? Doesn't it feel like we're winning? Why does, it, why does it feel like I continue to fail? I think the reason why some of you are not growing today or have never grown spiritually in your life is not because you don't come to church or watch online. The reality is for you perhaps that you love the world more than you love Jesus. And that's why you're not growing. And that's why I think verses 15 and 17 speak directly to us. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. He's not a Christian. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever abides forever. So what's wrong with the world? Why wouldn't we wanna love the world? Like John three sixteen says that God so loved the world. Why, why can't I love the world? And so what does he mean by the world? He does not mean the physical world. What he's specifically talking about is the lost world. The world, the system of the world that stands in opposition of God. The systems of the world that oppose God and, and, and would invite us to sin. And so the world hates God, hates the gospel. This, this world that is opposed to God and the sin that is in us leads us to do things outside of his will. And so anything that opposes God, keep that in mind, is what he's talking about. And the chances are, the reason why some of us aren't growing is because we love the world and we don't love God. So here are three areas he gives us to overcome. He says the first is the desires of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Now this, the, these are our appetites. These are the things that, that we, we are, are, are trying to feed ourselves with. So, so what are you, what, what are the, the, the lust of your flesh? You're trying to feed yourself to, to be happy, the pleasures of this world. Now, appetites aren't a bad thing, but, but when we take good things and make them God things, that's when they become bad. And so this lust of the flesh are those physical desires that we have. Those physical desires uh, we, we read about all throughout uh, the word of God. And so 
Martin Luther says that this uh, lust of the flesh is defined as adultery, fornication, gluttony, ease, and sleep. So it's this idea that you, you, the desire to eat too much, sleep too long, and sleep with people who aren't your spouse. So anytime we're fulfilling those kinds of fleshly desires, those kind of physical desires, he's saying it is wrong. It is loving the world. This would lead to drug abuse and alcoholism and things of this nature. When you're not in a war against your fleshly desires, you're dominated by the desire to fulfill those physical desires. You're not walking in the light. In fact, he says, the love of the Father is not in you. Now look at me. If the love of the Father is not in you, that doesn't mean that you're having a bad day. It means that you're an enemy of God, that you are not a follower of Christ. So is your life dominated by your appetites and the desires of the flesh? I love what John Calvin says, when worldly men desiring to live softly and delicately are intent only on their own convenience. And and speaking of the desires of the flesh, this is what he has to say. This is this idea, I think, of of men who wanna live soft, who wanna live delicate, and who only wanna do things that are convenient. Growth is not convenient, never is. It's not convenient for your schedule. It's not convenient, you know, when it comes to money. It's not convenient when it comes to time. It's not convenient when it comes to effort. It will take effort. It is a battle, right? So the desires of the flesh. Secondly, desires of the eyes. These are our affections. So the things that we love, what do you love to look at? What do your eyes love to look at? Is it pornography? Is it lustful looking at uh, the opposite sex? Is it, is it something that you look at, you desire? Is it, is it coveting? So I look at something I don't have and I want it. This is what advertising is all about, isn't it? You know, you're scrolling through social media and then boom, there's the advertisement. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Now I want it. They built a whole industry around the desires of our eyes. What do you love? What do you love? And then he says, thirdly, the pride of life. These are our achievements. So these are the things we hold on to. These are the things we identify with, right? These are things in our life that we say, you know what, I don't find my identity in Jesus. I find my identity in my achievements. Here's what I've accomplished. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my car. Look at my GPA. Here's the college I'm going to. Look at my children. They're my little trophies. Look at what they're doing. And based on what they're doing and how they look and how they act, then boom, now I feel good about myself. We find our identity in our achievements. We've got to run from this. And so he says, appetites, affections, achievements. Here's some questions to wrestle with. What are you running to to feel good? What do you run to to feel good? Too much food, too much sleep, sex outside of marriage, what, what, what are you running to to feed that appetite, to make you feel good about yourself? And if you're not running to God instead of, if you're not running to Him, then perhaps the love of the world has crept into your life. Affections, what do you love to look to for happiness? What are you looking to to find happiness? The lust of the eyes, you gotta have this, gotta have that, want that, looking at this. Achievements, what possessions are you not willing to give up for God? Woo, that's a good one. All these achievements, out of all that success and achievements, is there something that you would say, I'm not willing to give this up for God? If so, that might be your God. 
every single one of us. It is time to grow. And we fight this fight. Verse 17, he says that if, if you love the world, you're gonna die with the world because it's fleeting, it's temporary. You wouldn't buy stock in a company that's about to go bankrupt. You wouldn't do that. Why would we spend so much time running after the things of the world instead of running towards the will of God and doing what he's called us to do? Verse 17 says, those who do the will of God live forever. Isn't that what we want, right? Why wouldn't we live for eternity? Here's the takeaway, then we'll be done. Here's what you've gotta do. You've gotta desire spiritual maturity. You've gotta desire it. So maybe today the, the prayer is, God, give me the desire to grow because I'm lazy. I'd rather sleep. I'd rather eat. I'd rather just have fun. I'd rather be lazy. God, give me the desire to grow spiritually. Or maybe too, it's God, give me the, the development. Help me to, to take the steps. Why? Because you've got to develop your spiritual maturity. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to be in relationships with other people. You've got to serve. You've got to connect here at Foothills Church. And so for some of you, that means you're going to serve or you need to take a step of, of, of serving. And so now is the perfect time to say, I'll try this. I'll get involved in this. There's not just one thing that we do. There are many things that we do. And so jump into something, begin to serve. Maybe it's a summer Bible study that you need to just dive into this summer and say, I want to do this. I'm gonna take some intentional steps. Maybe for, for others, it's you've never been to base camp or you've just kind of drugged your feet on going to camp too and you're just not taking that next step of faith. Whatever it is, like you've got to desire it. You've got to want it. You've got to develop that. There's a story uh, of Socrates famous teacher, Greek teacher, philosopher. And he, he had a student come to him and said, and, and, and asked him to be his teacher. And he said, okay, follow me. And they went to uh, this, this body of water and they go into the water and um, he takes the man by the neck and he dunks him under the water. <laughs> Have you heard this? And so the kid, the, the young man is just like, okay, this is like, maybe he's trying to teach me a lesson here. So he kind of was okay for the first few seconds. And then uh, after, you know, his breath started to, to leave, he started to kind of, okay, this isn't cool anymore. And he starts to wrestle a little bit and starts to flail and Socrates held him under the water. A few more seconds go by and now the guy's really fighting and really fighting. And then finally he lets him up and the, the young man <gasps> gasps for air. And Socrates says, when you want to learn as much as you wanted to breathe, then I'll be your teacher. <laughs> then I'll be your teacher. I'll wonder if the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this love for the world has crept into your life so much so that you are running after worldly things instead of pressing into and desiring your spiritual growth. Do you want Jesus as badly as you want to breathe. It is time for you to grow. Amen, church? All right, let me pray for you. Father, we're grateful for the truth of your word. Healthy relationships, serving in areas... <clears throat> A little bit.
in your will. God, we wanna follow and trust you because we know that ultimately leads to blessing and power and joy. So Lord, we wanna honor you with our life. And so help us to, to grow this summer like never before. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.